What's up, guys? Welcome to our first ever episode of Double Par. My name is Will. I'm here with Jackson, uh, my co-host, and the second half of Double Par. Super excited to be starting up this journey with y'all. Um, it's something we've wanted to do for a really long time. Uh, for me, honestly, ever since I've had a golf club in my hands, since my freshman year of high school, uh, when I met Jackson, uh, he was in seventh grade at the time. We met on our high school's golf team. And yeah, the dream um, and, you know, our friendship has really progressed from there. And we're really excited to take y'all on this journey. Um, it's going to be a lot of golf together, uh, you know, both individually, uh, matches together, competitions, and of course, bringing in guests on our podcast and also taking guests on the course uh, for fun competitions and matches. So super excited and yeah, excited to get going with our episode today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too, Will. Um, I think it's important to emphasize we are a guest-based podcast, so we plan to bring all as many top amateurs and pros that we can to the podcast yeah, for sure. on a frequent basis. And um, yeah, that's something we're really passionate about and trying to grow our platform. Yeah. How's the, uh, how's the world going over there in Kentucky and the golf world for you? It's pretty good. I'm a freshman on the team at the University of Louisville and uh, we're just going through our qualifying for our third event of the spring semester. Uh, we're halfway through and I haven't had my best stuff. I'm a couple over par, but um, hopefully I can get it going. We have two more rounds of qualifying for our event in Myrtle Beach coming up in about 10 days. So looking forward to that. Solid. I know we have a lot of guests coming up. Uh, Going to be playing a lot on camera and my game's, you know, far from tip top shape. So I got to get grinding. Um, but yeah, yeah, Bay Hill this weekend. Uh, who do you got there? Uh, well, I had Bryson coming into it. He he won there last year and kind of overpowered the golf course. He obviously yeah. a lot of viewership to that six hole, I think it is, where he yeah. uh, drove over the lake on the par five and had a flip wedge in. But, yeah, the fist bump. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the fist bump and everything. But I uh, I recently saw he just pulled out due to the injury that he had back in Hawaii earlier this year. Yeah. So um, I guess I would have to go – it's a, it's not a very bold prediction, but I'm gonna go Roy. Yeah. Um, I think That's he's won every form. Yeah, it's a, it's a uh, tough golf course that he can. Uh, he generally plays well in harder places, I think. And yeah, I could see him coming out with a victory. What about you? Yeah, I got my guy Willie Z, Will Zalatoris. Um, I've just been a huge fan of him since he was on the Corn Ferry Tour and even back at Wake Forest. Um, I do think the course sets up for him nicely. You know, he's a really good iron player, good long iron player. And he, I think he did have a top 10 there in his first start at Bay Hill ever. So, you know, not a bad way to start. Um, but yeah, I want to transition, get into this episode. Um, we have a super awesome guest. We got Zach Radford coming on. Um, you know, Zach's a really accomplished content creator, a really accomplished uh, professional golfer who's inspired us a lot. He's inspired this channel. And, you know, he's been a great mentor for us so far. I really appreciated getting to know him and all the help he's had. So super excited to dive into that. Yeah, um, I think obviously the viewers probably have different uh, different you know perspectives on Zach. Maybe you've just seen his stingers on his Instagram channel, or maybe you're subscribed to his YouTube. But uh, what he, I didn't even know was his you know his background as an actual competitive golfer. He lowered his handicap dramatically out of college and made a decent um, decent run at professional golf yeah. through the mini. The guy's insane. Like the viewers have yeah. don't even know half of it. Yeah, it's. 
Yeah, right, so you should definitely listen so you can hear a bit about his uh, his actual golf background. Yeah. All right. Let's hop to it. And guys, please, you know, we've appreciated the support so far, but please, you know, drop a like and subscribe so we can continue to make these videos and travel, travel um, and yeah, film with our guests. Thanks so much and hope you enjoy. Welcome back, guys. I'm here with our guy, Zach Radford. Zach, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, I really appreciate y'all having me. Excited to get into it. Yeah. Uh, for those of y'all that don't know, Zach's a professional golfer and content creator um, who actually hit 100K subs on YouTube recently. Um, congrats on that. That's, I appreciate it. We're a long way off from that right now, as you can imagine. But um, I don't know. That's that's awesome. That's kind of what we're looking to. So Yeah. I, hey, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And I do think kind of starting formulating a podcast setup and also pairing it with YouTube content is definitely the way to go and how I would have started if I was just yeah. getting going. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, today we're going to be really talking everything golf, content creation, and life off the course with Zach. Um, getting into everything there is to know about the King of Stings, you know, legendary shot. Um, and also just lesser known things like how good at golf you really are. Um, going from a 12 to a plus six, like Jackson mentioned earlier. That's you know, I kind of feel like my handicap's going the opposite way. Um, yeah, I think we kind of want to start off by, you know, taking it way back to the beginning. Um, you know, you've told me a few times you didn't get into the game until later in life. So can you just kind of talk about that and, you know, what your childhood was like without golf? Yeah. So I grew up on baseball, played at a pretty high level, uh, played against several guys who ended up playing in the majors. And my Little League team when I was 12, back when Little League was somewhat what everyone played yeah and i did play on some select teams and stuff like that but we won state uh in texas which at that time was a big deal uh, i think we had to play like 15 games to get out of state Jeez. so uh, i don't know are you for originally from texas i, I know that. okay grew up in san marcus right in between san antonio and austin got it and so yeah grew up playing baseball uh my grandpa played golf my dad played golf in college okay and so I had swung a golf club before, but baseball was definitely the focus. And growing up kind of in San Marcos, that was an, a hot spot for a highly competitive baseball at the yeah. time. And so, yeah, definitely still a huge baseball fan, Cardinals fan, born in St. Louis. So that's awesome. Yeah, I can really, I didn't start playing until my freshman year of high school. Um, Jackson, you, I know you picked it up much earlier when when was it for you yeah i uh i started playing before like i don't remember a time in my life where i didn't have a golf club in my hand so it's a very unique situation um so i can't relate to all right <laughs> see if that was me and zach we would each have like five green jackets right now i'm pretty sure right. <laughs> so when did you start playing golf then so the first time i remember seeing a club was probably 10 or 11. okay but I didn't play at all. My grandpa lived on a, my grandma and grandpa lived on a golf course. And so he would take me out and I just liked going to look for golf balls in the pond across the street yeah. from my house. <laughs> and so he handed me this Leavenwood, I think it was. And I probably hit it like 90 yards or something, mm -hmm. but I thought I smoked it. Yeah. Stinger so. yeah. <laughs> or not quite yet? Uh, not yet, <laughs> but it is coming. Yeah. You're like a pretty good baseball player. What was the, uh, well, I changed. Sports, I guess. So when I lived in Texas, I was playing, I don't even know, 120 to 140 games a year. 
And that was the focus. And freshman, sophomore year, during the summer, I did play a little bit of golf. And then my family moved to Nashville. And the baseball program at that time was a joke. So I told my dad, I was like, hey, I'm going to go try golf. So that was kind of that. I felt like when we moved, scouts and college coaches weren't going to be coming to our games. And I was like, my goal was to play in college. And so when I felt like that wasn't really there anymore, I just decided to kind of jump in on golf junior year. So, and the transition was slow. Yeah. Um, but my junior year, I think I ended up, I ended up being the number one on the team towards the end of the year. I think I averaged somewhere around 39 for the nine holes that year. And then the next year, I think I averaged 35 something for Pretty the nine solid. holes yeah. uh, my senior year. And that was kind of it. I pretty much put the clubs away after I graduated and thought about walking on on some different places. Ended up going to UT, uh, waited tables, went to school full time. I didn't even have my clubs at school until my senior year. That's crazy. Yeah. Like two or three rounds my senior year. So you you said you put the clubs down when you got to school. Was, I'm assuming you, were you trying to like pursue a certain major in college and pursue that post-college or was it just uh, school was overwhelming time commitment wise or was there any reasoning behind that? Uh... To be honest, when I didn't end up playing in college, I didn't have a direction for the game at that point. And I was like, well, I'm just going to get through school. And I enjoy going to Tennessee. I bleed orange big time. And uh, waiting tables at night, going to class full time, there just really wasn't any time for it. But working through school and paying cash for school did allow me some opportunity when I graduated. I didn't have a bunch of overhanging loans uh, immediately out of college that I would have had to have taken care of. So making that choice then I'm thankful for Um, whether or not I would have taken some opportunities to walk on in some smaller schools. Maybe I just didn't have much to show coaches. I could go play. But at that time, a lot of the schools weren't doing walk ons. Uh, Tennessee didn't do walk ons when I was there. And so. I could go play, but I didn't have much to show anyone. And so I was kind of stuck in a way. And so just ended up enjoying school, going to school, going to football games, basketball yeah. games, watching Chris Lofton drain some threes <laughs> many years ago. <laughs> I'd like to say there's some sort of Vandy, Tennessee rivalry. I think Vandy tries to play that up. I feel like y'all probably don't even think it exists. Hey, y'all's football team, y'all beat us yeah, over the last decade. So yeah. it is definitely there. Yeah. <laughs> Need James Franklin back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, we were kind of talking about your college life now a bit, and I've heard Will throw around that you did graduate roughly around the end of college as a 12, and you got it to a plus six in a somewhat time frame of a year, which is remarkable. I've played with my dad, and he's a 38, and he's been a 30 <laughs> since I was so, uh, But what did that kind of that process look like? And you said that you didn't even have your clubs at school. Um, so how did you lower it so quickly and what made you start the the journey? Yeah. So pretty much just started out going out to the range and learn how to hit the ball solid. I know that seems super simple, but I would sit there and try to hit the ball as high as I could hit it solid as low as I could hit it solid, the biggest hook I could hit. And then I would start practicing, trying to hit nine shots in a row through nine different windows and 
I didn't really have any lessons. I had a few guys that I trusted that I might say, hey, you mind coming and just looking at this? Am I doing what I'm thinking I'm doing? Um, but didn't really have any coaches. Would just go out there and try to figure it out. And if I was bad at something, for example, that summer, I was the worst bunker player you've ever seen. Like I would step my foot into the bunker and just fear just <laughs> engulfed me. And I just wanted to get it out and didn't care where it was just as long as it was out of the bunker. So for the next like three months, I spent two hours a day, every single day in the bunker. And at the end of those three months, it became a joke at my club that a lot of people wanted me to be putting instead of in the bunker because I was pulling <laughs> out like a couple times around fairly wow. regularly if I was in at least a few bunkers. Um, and so that became basically a strength when it was by far my worst um, aspect of the game. So anytime I would come across something like that, I would just put time into it yeah. and it would just learn how to get it done. I didn't really have any technique that I was focusing on. I just knew what didn't work and then what worked. And I would just try to get really good at that. <laughs> Very unique perspective for the game. I, like I mentioned, I played forever and, for me, it's always kind of been like refining what I'm doing and trying to work on all facets of my game. But I've never really, not to pat myself on the chest, but I've never been at a, like a place where I had a ginormous area where I could knock 12 shots off my handicap. And that must be, you know, pretty satisfying for you, though, at that time to just see yourself get so much better. For me, it's just let's keep the ball striking in check. Let's make our five footers and keep it out of trouble kind of deal. Yeah. Surprisingly, thinking back to kind of my mindset through that, if I'm just being real, I didn't realize how good I was getting. Yeah, I like really. I wasn't looking at the day to day. And then all of a sudden I looked back and I was like, oh, wow, I shot 22 rounds in a row in the 60s. Yeah. Now, none of that was in competition. So that, yeah. that was just me out there playing. Um, but it did kind of happen fairly quick. I went from shooting... I went from like a 12 to zero, probably in like two months, maybe three months. That's wild. I was yeah. shooting like even par a lot. Yeah. And then the mindset changed and I allowed myself to kind of get out of my own way as far as taking it low. And I think a scratch handicap has the capabilities of taking it low, but it's just a mental block from when they get to that two or three under that they start just trying to save the rest of the round. Like, yeah. don't blow up from here. Yeah. And for me, it was like, well, I'm playing good. Pedal down. We're yeah. going at every pen. And so make eight, nine, ten birdies. Yeah. No, yeah. I kind of have the same perspective as you, like opposite of Jackson, because I also picked it up late. And it's like, you know, like you never kind of realize where you're at just because, you know, you're happy and mad. Like at every point you get to you at first, you're like, happy with 90 but also like oh it could have been 85 and then you're like happy with 80 and then all of a sudden it's 75 and 70 at 65 and yeah um so the stinger is obviously a big part of your game that everyone knows so when in your golfing career did that sort of come about I, even though i wasn't playing a lot of golf when i was younger i still enjoyed watching tiger yeah and i always thought the stinger was awesome and i learned how to hit it because i couldn't hit my driver 
I could not keep my driver on the planet when I first started. So there was days I would just hit stingers off of every single bar four and bar five T because I could keep it in play and my iron game was pretty good. So as long as I could keep my tee shot in play, I was gonna play pretty good. And there was tournaments once I started getting into tournament play that I may not pull driver, but like one or two times around and I would hit four iron stingers every hole. And that was just what I did. And I learned how to, you know, hit big shaping shots. I will say a lot of those big, big shaping shots, I wouldn't necessarily play in the tournament round. Yeah. It's a little more visual. Yeah. Is it really like a functional shot you'll, you'll take into a tournament round? Yeah. So one of my better tournaments, it was back on the NGA tour, which used to be called the Hooters tour. Uh And now it's the swing thought tour. It used to be, I mean, it still is a good tour, but it used to be like most of those guys would go on to play in the Corn Ferry and the tour um, from that tour. And there was one tournament in particular that I believe I hit two drivers for the first two rounds and had to leave. And I was hitting 12 stingers of tee boxes in that that event. Uh, Didn't play great on the weekend. That was one of my first times that Pat and Kazire ended up winning that event and wow. uh, I wasn't near him yeah. after you can accept losing round. to Pat and <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I've actually noticed I feel like more guy I mean like you said Tiger always did it but I feel like more guys I even noticed watching the Honda this past weekend um Joaquin Neiman I noticed Daniel Berger pulling off a lot of like low four iron shots off the tee um yeah so I I see what you mean like do you think it's kind of growing like getting more popular i think it's a fun shot but it's also very like versatile as long as the conditions are proper yeah so meaning if it's super wet and it's raining i'm rarely gonna hit a stinger because you're just gonna get no roll but if it's firm and fast i mean you can hit a stinger if you're creating decent speed that might roll out 70 80 yards just depending on the the terrain and the conditions yeah but most of the time normal conditions probably rolling out you know 40 yards something like that yeah most of my stingers would carry between 210 to 20 probably roll out 40 45 yards um that was with the four iron i've got a three iron now yeah so we're uh, working no on more it. of the old four iron right well, that's we fixed that's it tough. twice we fixed it twice and i was like it's time to just lay it to rest ah. and so we're working with this three iron it's a little different it's the t200 i really like it but it is a little different yeah how'd you yeah. uh break the uh old trusty four iron so a while back i was i can't i was at national golf and i went to hit a shot and it just felt clunky didn't feel solid and i kind of reached down i grabbed the head and i literally just twisted it right off so that was the first time that it malfunctioned then the next time i was in montana playing a match against micah morris and it was the fourth tee and made contact and that club head went flying it didn't come off it snapped off so maybe in the re-shafting it I don't know what happened. Maybe it was just telling me it's time. That's time not good timing. Y'all have a good, <laughs> y'all have a good competitive series going there. Yes, we um, did. That was fun. I want to kind of segue into some of the content creation, you know, bring up, um, you know, Micah and some of that content, um, just sort of how you got started, you know, going from 
wanting to maybe play professional golf to, you know, how'd you start making YouTube videos and when did that cross your mind? Yeah. So going back to Instagram is where I started and I, again, didn't have anything to show sponsors. I was trying to compete. It's very expensive to go out there and play on the mini tours. And I was looking for sponsors. So I was trying to initially give them a reason to, you know, want to sponsor me outside of, I didn't have anything amateur career wise to show them. So I thought if I could build up, you know, some social media following that might be an appeal to them. And then it did kind of take on a life of its own. Um, but that was, let's see, six years ago, roughly when I started on Instagram, met Garrett Clark, who's GM golf and part of good, good. Yeah. Huge sure fan, huge everyone fan of them. Yeah. knows who he is. And he kept telling me, he's like, dude, you just got to start doing YouTube. He's like, that's where everything's heading. So Garrett, I have to say, I appreciate you pushing me to get going. We met like five years ago, roughly four and a half, five years ago. So yeah, no, he's obviously incredible with content as well. Yeah. No, I know you feel a lot of early. Go ahead, Jackson. You initially started that process with uh, Instagram for trying to grow your platform as a professional golfer. No, there was no sort of content creation in your mind at that time. Not at all. I did have fun with it and thought it was yeah. like just a cool, fun thing. And I was playing the back nine at National Golf, my home course, and. I was playing with my buddy who also played on the mini tours and we were just out kind of practicing and there's this one hole, it's kind of uphill par five. And I was like, dude, I've got this idea to film this stinger on this hole. And I'd never really done anything like this before or even really tried to film something in a way in hopes of getting more views. Yeah, I was just putting out videos that I enjoyed sharing, but I didn't have a purpose with it, if that made sense. Um, and so I got there and I kind of set the camera up and I hit a shot. I was like, uh, not quite I hit the second shot. And then I looked back and I'm sitting there watching it. And I was like, I think this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully other people do. Yeah. And at that point, I think my most viewed video might've been like maybe 1500, 2000 views, something like that. And I posted that that night. And I think it got 10,000 views in the first 15 minutes. Wow. And so I was like, Oh, I think we're on the <laughs> So that was kind of the start of it. And there, I'll never forget that video. Uh, so that's awesome. Is that still up? The, it is. That's, yeah. that's cool. It's like up close. There's a leaf that kind of blows in front. And then it's just a quick little snippet. Of yeah. Love it. Stinger. Yeah. You, uh, you touched on the balance, like kind of between content creation and professional golf. And obviously you got your start as trying to be an aspiring tour pro. And you said two years ago-ish that you kind of made the segue to more of the content creation side. When did you, when was the realization that that might be taking the, the front row seat to your professional golf goals, I guess? Yeah. So I started looking into creating my own brand, which is Ostrich, my apparel company, and started partnering and doing some projects for other companies. So some of the stuff I wouldn't even post, I would just create content for other companies. And so they would send me a product or whatever type of video they'd want me to make. And it started coming in 
like more and more. And so I was like, I see where everything's going. If I can just really make a solid push for the next few years, then maybe I'm in a place to, you know, hire someone full time to follow me around and almost shoot my own documentary for pursuing the tour. So I decided to just set aside competing and just focus on trying to continue building the platform and kind of just really enjoyed videography and creating content. So it wasn't that hard of a decision at that point in time, just because the viewership was on the rise and I was enjoying doing it. Um, love competition and definitely excited about the possibility of getting back into it. But I just enjoy creating content and getting people excited about the game. So whether that's me competing or playing or creating fun matches with Micah in Montana or hitting that's some stingers awesome. or chip yeah. shots. That's, that's our goal, you know, starting up double pars. That's, that's super cool to hear. Um, you kind of mentioned Ostrich. Um, and I know we've kind of talked about this before. You started working with Roback and then kind of transitioned. Mm -hmm. And then obviously kind of want to ask about the name. It's pretty unique. Um, yeah, we so have can to you know talk about, yeah, how that, how that started, how you came up with that. Yeah. So wearing it right now. Looks, looks yeah. Good, so. so it was one of those things. So it's me, my brother and my brother-in-law who yeah. got it started. And it had been an idea for a little while. Worked with Roback. Those guys are awesome. Absolutely loved working with them. But going into that partnership, I had already told them that I was looking to do my own thing. So we, you know, fulfilled the time there with them and that was great. And everyone was really happy. And it was known before I even went into that, that I was looking to branch off and do yeah. my own thing. So when that time came, we started kind of throwing around ideas of the direction of the brand, what name we would want, kind of what the logo might look like. And we had quite a few ideas. And so I what was, what was number two on the table? Just out of curiosity. Well, the problem was, was so many things are already taken. Yeah. And so you've got to look into trademarking and yeah. all that stuff. And so we pretty much settled on an ostrich pretty quick. Yeah. And the reason was we were all sitting around and my brother will probably take take the um, the reins saying that he was the one who said it. I don't remember who said it, but someone said, I want to be not your average birdie. That's what we want our tagline to be. So the ostrich very quickly kind of lined up with that direction. Also with trademarking and everything, the ostrich was available. Yeah. And so they, it ended up just making sense and it just yeah. kind of happened. It, I know that's not quite some crazy story, but the not your average birdie came before the ostrich. Yeah. And then we had, I don't even know, probably 500 different mock-ups of logos. Yeah. And I just wanted to keep it simple. I also wanted a secondary logo, which is the feet kind of on the back as well. So that's, that's a little bit of the backstory there. Yeah. How much, I know we've kind of talked about this before and you said you've sort of learned to do a lot of stuff yourself and you're kind of, kind of a one-man show, which is pretty unique. So how much of, you know, your time and how much have you had to learn with, you know, ostrich and marketing and also even other stuff like editing videos? Yeah. So I started out and I still, for the most part, do pretty much everything. I've got some guys that definitely help with some edits. But yeah, when I go to a resort on a project, sometimes I show up and they're like, well, where's the team? 
Yeah. I was like, uh, it's this me. Is, this it's is me. the team. So yeah. I uh, got my camera gear, my drone, all that, and uh, we just get to work. And the one thing that I learned through all this, if I wanted to do this as a career and really kind of move forward with um, making a living doing it, I did have to learn how to do everything myself because there's times that, you know, finances and money's tight. So I could basically just do everything myself during that time. Then when things were going better, I could kind of ramp it up and kind of push some work off to some freelance editors and stuff like that. So anything that I didn't know how to do, I would type it in on YouTube and someone's made a video about how to do something everywhere on YouTube. So yeah. sometimes it's not the first video you watch, but yeah. you watch four or five and they're all saying something similar, you know, that's probably close yeah. to the answer. Yeah, no, I think we can relate to that already. There's so much stuff like tech and setting up that, I don't know about you, but we know nothing about and I hope it's not too bad right now, but it's just, there's so much to learn. I heard you got your start, Zach, filming on, a, on an iPhone for a lot of your yep. videos. Yeah, so I started with an iPhone with no microphone, and then I eventually got a little mic that I plugged into it, and I think I hit, I can't remember, thirty-five or 40,000 subs on YouTube filming just on my iPhone. Really? Wow. Yeah. So the one thing that I would say in the learning process, just keep putting out content. Yeah. Like, just keep getting better, and yeah, like, you want to hit the home run on your first at bat, but, you know, just keep hitting a bunch of singles, like, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And hopefully you have that home run like once a month kind of thing. But if you hit a bunch of singles, it'll be crazy where you see yourself in two, three years. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. We're looking forward to the journey. Um, it's, it's kind of what we're, what we're passionate about, especially for me, you know, show, made the decision not to play college golf, um, professional golf, I sort of saw it wasn't in my future. Um, and people like you and Garrett are basically inspired me and shown me like it is still possible to pursue golf and pursue my passion. So it's, yeah, it's awesome to, you know, see what you guys have done. Yeah. And the biggest thing I'd say, and that goes to, you're going to get a lot of no's yeah. when we're reaching out to people. So don't let that like discourage you. Meaning when I first started trying to film content on courses, I was just hopeful that I could pay to play and they would let me film there yeah. like to start. And so I was getting all kinds of no's and then I would finally get a yes. I might send a hundred DMs and get one yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just a matter of time before you get a yes and, you know, present it well to them and just keep asking. You never know who's going to say yes. And then once you kind of get a little traction, get your feet under you, then go and do the project that is your calling card. Like go find what you want to do, do that really well. And then you can take that to anywhere you want to go and say, hey, here's what I'm going to do for you. Yeah. So that would be the biggest thing. Go find exactly what you want to do. Do it super well one time at whatever venue or whatever that may be. Yeah. And then have that as your example. Because that was the biggest thing early on. I didn't really have the type of content I was trying to explain to them. Yeah. Instead of just go create it and then show them. Yeah. It's way easier to get jobs. Doing Appreciate that. that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Sort of find like your a good example or like your niche and then kind of yep. go after that. Sweet. All right. So now we want to get into 
little game. Uh, we call it double par factor fiction. Obviously, okay. first edition for us. Um, so me and Jackson are going to make disputed facts or not about golf. And you're going to say if it's a fact or fiction and defend it. Uh, Jackson, you can hit up the first one. Yeah. Um, all right. So the first one up is the stinger is more about flash than function. I would say nine out of 10 of the stingers I post on Instagram are more flash than function. However, it is has a ton of function on the course and I might hit it 10 times in a round quite often. Just depends on the conditions and the terrain. Um, so I would say it's somewhere in between that it, it's, it's a, maybe a fiction in the Instagram posts, <laughs> but it is a fact in your normal round. I just don't film my tee shots. I film more shots into the green. It just, it looks better if you're yeah, it into sure. the green. I just wouldn't normally hit a stinger most of the time yeah but, there are some of those I, there's one like banana slice like 110 yard slice like i i've watched so many times but that's <laughs> that one definitely got the job that, done those but. are like teetering on shanks really like it, I, <laughs> I think i might know the one that was down in uh birmingham was the first big slice that i hit and i yeah. hit it super solid but to hit that big of a slice you're like teetering on yeah. A shank. <laughs> yeah i know a thing or two about the old the old shank um Number two, uh, the Masters is the best major. Yes, fact, for sure. Um, you've got to play great over two years or have won a massive event. Um, not that the other majors aren't incredible to have won, but you've got to play well to be in the top 50 yeah. or have won a major event yeah. to even qualify for this event. And just the history there is yeah. absolutely incredible. That's the only PGA Tour event I've ever been. I know it's a major, but it's the only event that I've not competed in as a professional golfer that I've ever been to. Are you so, serious? You've never been? Like, not to a PGA Wow. Tour I caddied for my buddy on the Corn Ferry event. Oh, that's so, cool. How was it going to the Masters? That's absolutely awesome. Yeah. Like if you're a golf fan and you have the opportunity, just make it happen. I've been there twice now and... The one thing that you don't see on TV is the undulation and how hilly it is. Like you, until you go there in person, you just can't conceive. Yeah. Like the shot on number two down to that par five. Yeah. It's like hitting off of a cliff. Almost. Really? It's crazy. You don't have the birds, you know, chiming in like the TV in person. Now. Right. That's missing that. That is true. This is the pimento sandwich all it's cracked up to be. So I'm I'm going to have to say fiction because I don't like pimento wow. cheese. Wow. So now the peach <laughs> uh, ice cream sandwiches, I would have a ton of those, those so each good. day. Wait, Unreal. Have you been, Jackson? I've been twice, actually. And you kind of oh, said about the translation. It's uh, it's honestly unreal. Like I walked right in. I think I was, walk like walking on the crossway, maybe hundred yards in front of uh, the tee box on hole one, and it might go up to hole nine right there. But uh, you look around and it's like a, I mean, it's rolling hills almost. Yeah, and it's like right in the middle of town, basically. Yeah. Um. All right, we're gonna get to the next one here. Neyland Stadium at Tennessee is the best place to catch a game in the SEC on a Saturday, fact or fiction? Absolutely, because it's a sea <laughs> of orange. And I mean, when you're just walking down the street, going into the stadium, and all you see is just orange. I mean, I have been on CBS painted up on the front row back when I was in school there. Yes, that, that was me. So we might have put our shirts on at halftime because Florida 
part, Tim Tebow was killing us. But, <laughs> um, but it was fun, at least for the first quarter when we were only down a touchdown or so. I mean, yeah. that's very. have you been to a Tennessee game at Vandy? Because that's actually a sea of orange or a yeah. sea of whatever team we're playing as well. I have so, uh, I have. hate I to talk bad that. about Vandy, but <laughs> it's, it's true. Yes. No, I've, I've been there and I've seen the sea of orange here in Nashville yeah. as well. Yeah, it's, it's not a good look. <laughs> um, all right. Last question. Wolf Creek is the coolest course you filmed at. I would have to say second. Okay. What's one? Wolf Creek is awesome, and I would highly recommend going to play it. But the coolest, most memorable round of golf I've ever had actually wasn't at a very nice course. Really? But the views were insane. It was Koalau. Okay. Oh, that's actually one of the first videos of you I've I've watched. Yeah. That was insane. Like the ball would just be suspended as you're hitting towards the Koalau Mountains because you're so close. Yeah. But the ball would never go above the mountain. Yeah. Like visually. It was insane. Unfortunately, I heard they closed. Yeah, I saw that video. So that was definitely very sad. That's the Jurassic Park logo on there, right? Yeah. (laughs) That course was so much fun. My buddy Ryan was there with me, and that was a round I'll never forget. Yeah. You said it's not a very good course, though? Or it wasn't that great? So it wasn't well kept. Okay. Um, So the fairways were probably, like most decent courses, rough. And the greens were probably rolling like a four. But honestly, it didn't matter. Uh, four. No, I don't know no, if I've no, even heard of it. No before. joke. Wow. It was the slowest greens that I've ever putted on. <laughs> but it honestly didn't matter. Yeah. Like, it was just cool that you were even playing golf in that location. Yeah, sure. Because it was, you felt like you were in Jurassic Park. And I think some of the scenes, if I could be wrong, but I thought I heard Ryan tell me some of the scenes of Jurassic Park were like filmed like not far from That's that. wild. So wow. I could be wrong on that, but I, I think that's what I remember. I'm surprised the Broadmoor, I thought that might be sort of up there for you. How was that experience? So as far as an experience, that is number one. Yeah. The Broadmoor, I can't say enough good things about it, but memorable golf rounds and golf courses. Yeah. Polau is going to be tough to beat. Yeah. But the Broadmoor, the accommodations and the courses there are, it's, it's hard to even put it into words, like all the food there. Yeah. Almost every meal I have is like, well, that's the new best meal I've ever had. No way. So yeah. I would highly yeah. recommend it if you're able to go for sure. Yeah. Do you have any places circled on the schedule for maybe this year that you're looking forward to? So nothing confirmed yet, yeah. but um, looking at maybe the Greenbrier, which wow. would be really fun. Yeah. Um, looking at... Um, um, completely blanking what is the place down in florida in between tampa and orlando and it starts with an s uh it's like a it's a resort i that's bad it's a very well known stream song stream song yes Yes. so looking at hopefully going there uh might be sneaking back to the broadmoor that's awesome Uh, hopefully that works out yeah um and then a few others so yeah we'll be looking forward to it that'll be awesome we've talked a lot about golf but I think both both of us would kind of love to hear what your life off the course is like because I know a lot of your content is you know strictly golf focused. So like, who is Zach off the course? What do you like to spend your time doing? I do enjoy working out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I work out quite a bit. Um, like staying active. I will say the last several years, um, it's the golf course and editing and working out is that's a large portion of it yeah uh, to be able to put out 
all the content that I do and um, not have anyone full-time working for me, it, it takes a lot of times roughly like 60 to 70 hours a week wow. uh, to consistently. I would say the last few weeks, I haven't quite done that. Tried to take it a little easier before the season gets ramped up. Yeah. Um, but love going to games, sports games. Um, but the last few years, honestly, it's been grinding yeah. uh, content and editing and, and I do enjoy doing it. Yeah. So it, it, there are times in an edit when I've edited 57 shot tracers that, you know, that's not like real fun Yeah. in that moment, but it allows you to, to do everything else. Getting bogged down and like putting in shot tracers and stuff like that. Does it ever kind of frustrate you and make you think like, oh, I wish I was just on the golf course, like, you know, casually with my buddies right now. I mean, yes and no. Yeah. I do enjoy the times that it's just me and my buddies going out. Yeah. Playing. Yeah. Um, and when I come home, I do try to pretty much just do that. Yeah. I don't film a whole lot here in Nashville the last like year, try to keep the filming when I'm on the road or at a different site. Um, so that does allow me to come back here and kind of knock it around with the buddies and, that is something that I didn't do for a period that was kind of necessary. And you kind of get into the rhythm of just filming and playing. And it's, it is a little different style of golf. Normally I would say trying to film and play, if you're the one filming, probably like a two shot penalty per nine. Really? Um, yeah. Cause there was a long period of filming that I didn't shoot in the sixties and 10 rounds or so roughly last year that I played not filming all but one were in the sixties. Yeah. And so it's, it is one of those things that it is a little bit of a handicap, but at the same time, I enjoy doing that. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's about the content rather than, I mean, I'm always trying. Yeah. Yeah. Any, um, any like stories about your life embarrassing or not like on or off the golf course that, you know, aren't on camera that, you can tell us. Um, let's see. I've seen the uh, the Chipotle ones with some of the GM oh, guys back in the day. Okay. Those are awesome. So <laughs> that one. So we do this video. Matt ends up losing, and the loser had to sing in public. So that's a great one. We yeah. are. There's this whole mall outside area, shops and restaurants, whatever. So we settle on. He has to go sing in this Chipotle. Well. I've got to film this. Yeah. So how do I film this? It just, there was a lot going on. And so I've got my, at this time I was still filming on my phone. And so I've got my phone on a tripod with the mic and I just like walk into Chipotle. And I'm just like standing there for like 45 seconds. And all these people are just like looking at me. That 45 seconds felt like two hours. And, but I had to be in position for when he comes walking through the other door. And I've got to give it to him. He nailed it and he sold out. Like I thought he might come in there and be kind of quiet singing it. Yeah. Every single person. He even had one of the chefs in the back start singing. No way. Like it that's, was, I, it I was mean, you know, awesome. you know, Matt, we don't, but that sounds like Matt Sharp from what I've seen. Oh, yes. videos. Yeah. That's awesome. So I got to give him credit. He, he really, that was the penalty, but he nailed it. I, I didn't even think it was embarrassing. Yeah. So, yeah. Your, I thought your punishments, yours, what were yours? 
paying for somebody else and then so and then me and steven had to walk up ask for directions and then walk the other way yeah while they were eating so, at chipotle yes right? yeah so <laughs> we were asking for directions to chipotle and literally the sign was like right above them yeah and they were so confused it was it was pretty funny i enjoyed doing those kind of things that we haven't done that kind of stuff in a little while but you know it's all in good fun yeah so. yeah that's awesome <laughs> what was more embarrassing recording Matt singing or what you had to do? To be honest, the recording him singing. Yeah. Because that like 45 seconds to a minute that I was in there, everyone's just like wondering what I'm doing. Yeah. No, and I can't imagine. Everyone <laughs> in the restaurant's just looking at me and I was just like giving them a little head nods. Hey, <laughs> hey. So, yeah. That was, that was fun though. Yeah. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. So now we want to um, get into what we call the double par questions. Um, sort of a way we want to, you know, traditionally wrap up our episodes, um, eight questions, because typical hole is par four and eight is, you know, double par. Um, so Jackson, do you want to jump into the first question? Yeah, um, pretty generic one here, but if you had to say, what would your dream foursome be? Oof, uh, Tiger for sure. I mean, that's no question about it. Um, oof, dream foursome. Tough. That me and Jackson are we're welcome to be in there or not. We won't be hurt if we're not. Hey, <laughs> come on. So that'll be one foursome. Y'all two, me and Tiger. I love it. And then Tiger. So I'm a huge Cardinals fan and huge baseball fan. So I would have to say Albert Pujols okay. would be in there. Is he a golfer at all? So eh, slightly. Yeah. So his uh, son is a golfer. Okay. And so, because he was friends with Garrett. Um, oh, really? Interesting. Um, and so, I would say Albert. And then, if you didn't, if they didn't have to be alive, I would definitely say Bobby Jones. Like, I, I think that's probably an answer that a lot of people would say. But I think that that would be super neat yeah. to go and just hear from arguably one of the best of all time. So, but Tiger would for sure be in there. Pujols, just because I'm a huge yeah, Cardinals fan. Awesome. He is a legend there. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. Tiger, I don't know what mine is, but Tiger, Tiger's a lock for me. Yeah. Um, next, if you could play any position in any sport that wasn't golf, what would it be? Shortstop for sure. Is that so, is that what you were back in the day? Pretty much. I played a little second as well, but middle infield, shortstop mostly. So that was pitched a little bit, but honestly got popped in the face when I was younger wow. on a shot right back up the middle. And I was like, yep, no, I'm good at shortstop. <laughs> so all right, next question here. Probably a big Tennessee win after this one. Probably football. Basketball team is pretty good too, though, but you get one night out with any notorious Tennessee uh, athletic alum. Who is it, and where do you or where are you going out in Knoxville? It is Peyton Manning, and if it's not at night, we're gonna go play at Holston Hills. So that's that's what we Peyton Manning, no question. He's got to be a dream for some like. I I will say that's yeah like him or Pujols. Yeah, I, I could yeah. they Pujols. And Peyton could be interchangeable. So, yeah. Now, Peyton, the, there's absolutely no doubt, and we would definitely go play at Holston. That's awesome. So. 
Um, if you could only say one for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pin slammer or trundle? Trundle. I mean, it just rolls <laughs> off the tongue so easy. It does. I mean, it would be devastating to not be able to have a pin slammer, but you know, trundle, it, there's so many applications to trundle. Yeah. I mean, it's never ending. How, did you come up with those or did you hear somebody say them? I think when I was younger, some golf announcer used to say that, I uh -huh. feel like. And I just kind of always said it. Yeah. And I didn't realize how much I said it yeah. until people started <laughs> commenting it. And then how Pin Slammer started was way back. I accidentally edited me slamming the pen. Yeah. Like I left that in there yeah. after each birdie and I didn't even know I did. Yeah. And someone commented that. They're like, oh, it's cool. You slam the pen after every birdie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that's a thing now. So, <laughs> Is there a term for eagle? I feel like I've... So it's kind of a weird term, but the first time that I made an eagle that I can remember on the channel, I went to pick up my camera and the camera like fell over. Camera dropper. So yes. it like kind of became a thing that I just knocked the camera over yeah. every time I make an eagle. And that's just kind of, yeah. They, the pin slammer and the camera drop an eagle just kind of happened. Yeah. It wasn't. Hopefully we can get out there and make some double or even triple pin slammers. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Next one here. Is there a club that comes to mind that would be your least favorite club to hit a stinger with? I would have to say a 60 degree. Yeah. That just, yeah. however, I have hit a stinger and I did post it with a 60 degree. And I don't know if you're on Reddit or know about Reddit in the golf forum. I, became kind of a meme <laughs> and I went out one day after the forum was filled with memes. It was kind of ridiculous. There was memes about how many memes there were. It was <laughs> absurd. <laughs> and so I was like, how can I embrace this? Yeah. So I go out the next day and I'm like two feet off the green pens, like 20 feet away. Yeah. And I was like, Downhill lie, 60 degree, close to the green. How am I going to hit this shot? I turned and swung full, bladed it, tagged the pen. And that post, like if you had a good post on Reddit, it would take like an hour or two to yeah. get to the top trending post. That was like the top trending post in like five minutes. No way. <laughs> so Just embrace the meme yeah, full on. The top comment, I think, I think it was the top comment. It was like one of the top ones. It was like, that's how you get hit upside the face with a meme and just walk right through it. So I love it. I, I was love like, it. so from then on, I was kind of sort of accepted yeah. into the, the forum. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so we've talked about this a little already, but you said you're pretty much a one-man show and do a lot of stuff for yourself. Um, so what's been the one thing that's been hardest to learn and figure out on the fly? Probably the camera. Like when I went from phone to the camera, yeah. there's a lot more that you have to just deal with. And yeah. there's more things that can go wrong. Yeah. And so learning the ins and outs of how to deal with a camera and how to get the best picture definitely took some work. I went out early on, filmed an entire video, realized I filmed it in the wrong format <laughs> and had to throw it out completely. Yeah. There was yeah. nothing to use in that. And so you learn those lessons one time. Yeah. And then hopefully that's the last time. Yeah. You um, all right, more of a casual one here, but uh, if you had to say, what would be your go-to order at the turn? So this is probably like not your typical answer. When I'm filming, 
I just don't think about eating. I know this is, that's probably terrible and not what most people would say. <laughs> I don't eat when I'm filming. I'm kind of so focused in on the video and finishing it. When we get done, I will pile it on. But normally I'll have like some sort of like mixed nuts and like some protein bars. And if I can get one of those protein bars down, uh, I don't really, I eat fairly healthy. So yeah. a lot of the options at like a turn yeah. place wouldn't be typically what I would eat. But you know, being from St. Louis, being a baseball fan, I don't mind a good brat. So awesome. that was a long answer. I would probably have to say a brat if they're available there at the turn. That's the one thing I know. Good, good, and Brian Bros—they kind of—they're always kind of eating on the channel. Yeah. Garrett's always eating, and not never seen it on you. Seen it on yours, maybe. Have you thought about getting a broad or two in there? <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I should. It's one of those things. That as soon as I start filming, I don't know. Not I good. eat a lot. Too. Yeah. Like normally, I just—I'm so focused that I let's get this video and let's make a good video and yeah, we'll like eat that. some good food after that. Yeah. And so last one, um, what's one piece of advice you would have for us and really just all your listeners very, very broadly with golf and, um, for us kind of the content side. So to know when you're stepping into anything that you're passionate about and like wanting to make a career and make a living from it to know it's not going to be easy because yeah. if everyone if it was easy, everyone would do it. And I know that's, you hear that probably a lot, but anything like worthwhile doing is gonna take time and you're gonna go through some ups and downs. So, you know, give yourself like a little leeway on messing up yeah, and then get better yeah. and just keep getting better. And I know it's a simple thing, but like fail forward. Yeah, like You're gonna mess up. You're gonna make a bad video. Something's going to go wrong. And just know that that's kind of part of the journey and to kind of do your best to take it in stride. But at the end of the day, just try to keep getting better and give yourself time. Like don't, everyone wants it to happen quick. Yeah. I would say it took me two and a half years of really putting a lot of time into it before I really made anything from social media. Yeah. And so, and this is something that I haven't, don't really ever share two years straight. I think I posted every single day on Instagram wow. and at night I would DM comment or like post until Instagram would shut my account down yeah. every single night. Our accounts are getting shut down on already. So yeah. I did that for like two years. I got to where no joke, my thumbs would like hurt Wow. and like cramp up from just commenting, DMing my post and writing a message to people, just trying to get people engaging early on. And that's a lot of stuff that people don't see behind the scenes that anything that you're passionate about and want to make a living doing, it's going to take some time. Yeah. And you have to know that you're going to make a bad video and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Just make, make it better next time. Yeah. So. No, we appreciate that. We can attest. We've done some practice runs with our equipment and stuff. And kind of like we were talking about earlier, got to the end and realized we didn't even hit the record button. So yeah. Yeah. not going to do that again. <laughs> yeah. And that is one thing almost like if I'm filming now, I don't leave the camera until I hit record. Yeah. Like it's just part of your routine. Yeah. Just don't, it's okay to film an extra minute and a half and it's just rolling. At least you're getting the shot. So just don't leave the camera or the phone. 
hit record before you leave it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all we have. Um, Jackson, do you want to kind of wrap things up? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I did have one question for you, Zach. I'm an athlete of other sports a little bit too myself. Do you, uh, being from a baseball background, what kind of distance do you have off the tee? Because I hear you saying that you hit 10 to 12 stingers maybe around, which is, I can see myself hitting maybe six to eight, but I got to imagine you can move it a pretty good ways. Yeah, I was on track man the other day and I was trying to create a little speed. Um, I was flirting with 130 with driver. Um, back in the day, the highest I ever got on track man was 137, um, which that's not very useful. What kind of ball speed are you, were you getting? Uh, at 137, I think it was like 209. Jeez. Um, and so I think ball speed at 130 was like low 190s. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so I, it was one of those things that I started working out. Um, I grew a little bit and it, that definitely helped a lot, um, but also staying flexible. Um, and growing up playing baseball, I was always the smallest person on the field. And so I had to learn how to create some speed and not that baseball swing always translates to golf, but it did learn, it did teach me how to create like lag. Um, it's cause I had to figure out some way to create some bat speed. So I do think that that little bit did translate. I was at 12, I was like 95 pounds and like five, six. Wow. I was like a little bitty. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Gotta be full disclaimer. I, I max out around like 180, 182 ball speed. So Dude, that's still a little ways great. behind. <laughs> yeah. I do some, a decent amount of speed work. And um, even at Louisville, I'm pretty high on the team for ball speed and I'm low 180s too. So when I'm that's going great out. though. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Want to yeah, be like you, I mean, you play away with like Micah and Kyle yeah. a lot, so you gotta you keeping up with them. Yeah, at that point, I or? mean Micah. When I when we've played in the past, I wasn't always feeling like I had a lot of speed. Yeah. I would say me and Micah are similar. I will say there was a couple rounds we played last year though. He was creating so much speed, it was crazy. Like yeah. he was hitting some tee shots that were absurd. Yeah. So even me swinging at my fastest, Michael was probably past me. Yeah. I think if we're both swinging really well, we're pretty similar. Yeah. Um, the only guy that I ever stood next to outside of Kyle Berkshire, uh, he's in a whole nother world. Yeah. Imagine. Um, it's pretty unreal. Um, but standing next to Tony Finau. Uh, years ago uh he's the only person like competing at a high level that i thought i better pound this yeah. to keep up with him so he played back on the nga tour and hooters tour years ago oh really so, yeah looking forward to getting out there with you and you know being being 80 yards back but <laughs> i'm always interested when guys have uh like other sport backgrounds how much speed they can create and clearly you have a bit of it yeah yeah, definitely coming from baseball, I do think that that, that helped a lot for sure. And yeah. I played basketball, so feel like I'm decently athletic. Um, someone who just plays golf, never played any other sports, might be a little more difficult maybe to learn how to create speed um, just because they don't have anything else to rely on. So yeah, yeah, I would agree for sure. That's awesome, man. I think that, you know, pretty much wraps up what we wanted to talk about. Really appreciate, again, you coming on. Yeah. Uh, it's 
I don't know if you have anything to add, Jackson, but it's been an awesome, you know, first first thing for our channel. It's, you know, pretty cool. We have a lot of stuff, you know, coming up and hopefully we can get out there with you. Maybe learn, learn a thing or two on the course. Um, do you have anything to add? No, I don't. Uh, I Obviously, we haven't met Zach in person, but uh, Will, you know, been in contact with you and he said great things. And I can uh, say you're, you seem like a pretty good guy. So we really appreciate you giving us this opportunity. Oh, dude, absolutely. I'm excited for what y'all got going. And, you know, hopefully we can get out there on the course someday, tee it up. And yeah, I'll tee be high with a fly. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>